Welcome to the Movements Podcast. This is Steve Addison. And in this second in a series uh, delivered by Jeff Sundell to a community of practice in Sydney, April 2013, Jeff looks at the importance of training others in order to see a movement get to second, third, fourth, and even fifth generation disciples and churches. I want you to talk for a minute, looking down the pipeline, and I want you to think about grandchildren. What is it, do they know who to share with, and do they know how to start a conversation, and do they know a simple gospel presentation? I just want you to share around your, your group, get in a group of about four, and I just want you to share, what are you doing there? Uh, if you're not doing there, find out what somebody else is doing there. But what is it that's going to get us, because deal two is what gets generational growth, Right? And so if there's not clarity, um, we'll, we'll not have children, right? The DNA breaks down. And so we've got to have clarity in field two. So is that clear? So I want you to discuss field one. So who are you teaching them to share with? And how are you doing that? And then field two, I want you just to share. Go around, just each one of you, share. What is the gospel presentation you're using? And how have you trained new believers to do it? And how effective has it been? Because um, part of what we have to do is ruthlessly evaluate what we're doing. You know, because it's, it's great. We may have uh, my friend Burke Wilson, um, his gospel presentation had 72 Bible verses in the bridge illustration. Yeah. You had to memorize 72 Bible verses. Oh, now, was it a thorough gospel presentation? Uh-huh. Absolutely. <laughs> but how much level of reproduction did he get? Zero. Not much. Not much, yeah. So we kept pushing back against Burke, going because we asked him this word, reproducing. You know, we got to have a thorough gospel, no doubt. But Burke, will it be reproducing? And you know, and well, Burke in September, um, he's an NC State campus, which is a, it's sort of like our farmer school, is what I joke around. It's red and whites are colors, NC State. And they, it's what I call a farmer school. It's where you learn to milk cows. Not really. It's like an engineering school. Uh, there's about 50,000 Muslims that live around NC State. Uh, 5,000 Saudis on the campus. Uh, it's pretty anti-Christian on the campus, being a state, state school. Uh, Burke has, if you could imagine, seven streams of third generation um, from September to January. Wow. But he, he got down to seven verses they had to memorize. And so we got from 72 to seven. And he's, using, he's still using a bridge illustration. And he'll be, it's pretty likely, they've already passed, I know they've passed fourth generation, but they're probably going to hit fifth generation by May. And uh, Burke's been at it about a year and a half. Uh, not quite January. Yeah, in May it'll be about a year and a half. Roughly. But Burke spends 40 hours a week sitting on the campus gospeling. You know, so he just sits all day sharing the gospel and, and leading folks to Christ. But as soon as he leads them to Christ, he immediately teaches them these things. And he's, it's, it's working. Um, so anyhow, is that, is that clear what I want you to discuss? And then I want you to talk a little bit about what are the stuckages? We, we have a thing called stuckology. So what are the stuckages that we have... Um, and again, I want you to talk about great-grandchildren, 
I don't want you to, this is theory right here, okay? I want you to talk about great-grandchildren, because this will eliminate theory. So we want to we move from here, okay, I have an idea, to what's it going to look like for great-grandchildren, all right? And so, ask him the, did Bill Smith ever ask you, like, show me anything like that? He'd like to say, show me the baptisms, show me the people who came to Christ. Bill used to do that kind of stuff, he used to make me nuts. I'd share a great idea, and he'd say, well, show me the baptisms. Show me the generational growth. And I'm like, dog it, you know? And, but, you know, ask those hard questions among one another. Is it getting to third generation? Is it getting to fourth generation? Okay? So, a few minutes discussing. I want each person to share. Field one, field two, to third generation, or great-grandchildren. And then what are the stuckages that you guys see? Okay? My minimum for personal training per year right now is about 1,500 to 3,000 people. So I'm going to train 1,500 to 3,000 people and there's some of you in this room that should do that also. You, that, you, you have the capacity you ability to do that. training for, for us? Yeah, and let me say, training is a big filter, if, if you would imagine. And these, these, all these guys came out of the filter. So I have what I call a macro strategy. Now my macro strategy is I'm going to teach people who, what, and how. Which essentially is field one, field two, and field three. Um, and the reason I do that, I'm trying to get the most bang for my buck as quickly as possible. So I don't have a lot of time, and I'm very busy, and I travel like crazy. I've been gone 40, when I get done for this trip, I'll be gone 47 of the first 90 days of the year training. Uh, trained about 600 people so far this year. Um, so the only thing I teach at the very beginning is who do you share with? Give them oikos. What do you say? A simple gospel presentation. And then how to make a disciple. And usually I'll put, I'll either do Discovery Bible Study or else we'll do the Creation of Christ. It depends on if they're in an inner city doing ethne, I do C to C. If they're in a more rural area, I'm going to do Discovery Bible Study probably. Um, so I'm not real consistent. I sort of ask them because I, I want to, I want to do what they're more likely to do. So I'm not going to give them something and they go, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm not doing that. You know, I'm not going to go door knocking. Well, there's no sense doing that if I'm, you know. So I try and who do you share with? What do you say? How do you make? And then. Uh, the exercise I'm about to do with y'all is the other thing I do, which, I'm, which is vision casting. And I try and create a holy discontent by the time I leave. That takes, this takes me about nine hours to do this. Now, I can roll this out weekly, um, 9 to 12. I can, do it out, I can do this weekly, or I can do this on a Friday, Saturday, or a Monday, Tuesday. And, but out of this, I'm going to train 1,500 to 3,000 per year. Now, out of that... You get people who attempt, right? They're going to give it a go. And so if somebody gives it a go, what are you going to do with them? Yeah, I'm going to watch them. I'm going to start giving, I'm going to give them a little more of my time. You know, I, I had this one guy, he'd call me, and he'd spend four hours on the phone. The next time he'd call me, and I'd go, now, now what have you done? Well, you know, I haven't really decided if I'm going to do anything yet. Well, I, I started, you know, I just started going, listen, dude, i got to get off the phone, man. See ya. You know, after about the fourth time, because, you know, we were just wasting time. We weren't really doing anything. So I don't really try and figure out who the trainer is. I just train everybody, and then I just sort of watch where God's working. And when he's working, then I join him. And I, and I grab the person and spend time with him. 
you know, so a guy like AJ could train easily 1,500 people a year to, to share. Hey, AJ. You can teach people to share, who share, with what to say, and how to yeah. make disciples. Yes. You can do 1,500 a year in a heartbeat. No problem. No pressure. Just think of all the beer drinking in the house of the peace if you do that. Um, no motivation. Um, but out of that, though, you get various guys. Some folks attempt get Daryl's too, but I, I'll be honest, we haven't done real well with the gal thing, but um, you get folks who attempt. You have some who succeed. They lead people to Christ. They get into homes, um, which is exciting. And then, occasionally, you get this guy, which is what I call a CPM guy. Um, I try and find 7 to 11 of those guys a year. Fred, I was doing a training in Plano, Texas. It was a three-day training, which I don't normally do. But we start, when I do three-day trainings, we start with house church, day one, and we start teaching church formation, right? I shouldn't say house church, church that meets at home. We do church formation day one, all day, and then we send them out and do the miracle question and their testimony. Day two, we're sort of focusing on field three and field two, and day three. So every day, they have a practicum. They go out. So they're trained, they go out and attempt. They're trained, they go out and attempt. Trained, go out and attempt. Well, Fred goes out at lunchtime, asks the miracle question. And they were looking for Muslims, actually. And they ended up at a Mediterranean restaurant and asked the girl, if God could do a miracle in your life today, what is it? And if so, can I pray for you? And she dropped her head. And this is what Michelle shared. Drops her head. And she starts saying, how did you know? How did you know? How did you know? And shares that her husband, who she just married, is out running around partying at night. And they share the gospel with her, lead her to Christ. They're on a spot in a, this restaurant. Invite themselves to her, to her home. So the next day, they skip my training. I couldn't believe they did that. They skip my training during lunchtime to go and gospel her husband. So they set him up, and he doesn't come. He, he ends up staying out all night, doesn't come. Well, they just prayed him in. So they just started praying in the name of Jesus. He shows up. So they prayed him in. He shows up. He goes in the shower. Takes the longest shower in history. But they just prayed him out of the shower. They just started praying in the name of Jesus. Get him out of the shower. And then they began gospeling inside the shower door. That was the other thing that happened. Um, finally got him out, presented the gospel to him. He prays, receives Christ. They set up baptism, and they begin, and they ask him for, what's that? Back in the shower. Back in the shower, yeah. No, we had to roll him around either or something, you know. Had to drown him in it. Anyhow, so they're, they're hammering away, and they said, now, can we come to your house and teach you who to share with what to say? And he says, sure. And so they begin teaching him his personal testimony, gospel presentation, and who's this guy know? 19 years old, he knows the other Hispanic guys that are far from God. Well, Fred, in three weeks, Fred's a multimillionaire, and he had owned a, um, uh, a software company. And he took and sold it three years ago, and he bought apartment complexes. And he bought apartment complexes because he wanted to witness. I, I was like, wow, how about set up? <laughs> but 95% of people live in apartment complexes in the States don't go to church. So it's a good place to fish. And he bought a very diverse apartment complex. So, you know, he's fully funded. And there he is. He's sharing the gospel in this place. He gets into, he was doing lots of acts of mercy already. But he gets into 18 homes straight away. They have seven people come to Christ. And one of the seven starts... Um, second-gen groups. Now, they're using uh, complete, they're using the seven stories of hope. 
Uh, he had the Seven Stories of Hope translated into Spanish within the first week. Um, now, uh, he's at 27 groups so far, and uh, one of those being third gen. And that's in about a month. Um, so the only thing I'm saying in this is because we live in a setting where there are some Christians, you know, um, I'm going to train it. Hey, who are the only two types of people in the world? Lost or saved. So what do you do? If we've got these Christians sitting around here, what do we do with them? We just, yeah, we have a cup of coffee. Yeah, sit back. No, we train everybody. So if you have the capacity and the ability, you know, you need to set the bar high. Now, Fred, I got, I got a hold of Fred, and I tried to find 7 to 11 of these guys. Now, there's hundreds of these coming up, you know, who are attempting, and some of them getting in homes, some of them leading people to Christ, and like Cody, who's getting seven to nine groups, and, you know, and Cody's going to get to generational growth. There's no doubt in my mind. Um, but, you know, he's got that balance between he's got a church to take care of, and he's trying to multiply. Well, Fred... He's, he's outside of this. You know, he goes to a church, but really, this is, this is what Fred does. So, Jane, second week in June, I've invited Fred to come up to me with Dallas and co-train with me. And so, he's going to train with me, and I'm going to begin coaching him and move immediately into a coaching role with Fred. Because Fred, I'm going to challenge him to train 200 people this year. Now, Fred's going to hit 600 or so. And then the next year, I'm going to challenge Fred to train 1,000. Because Fred's we'll find other CPM guys more, quicker, if that makes sense. So it's, this is just one. Now, if you're working with Muslims, it's the other way around. You've got to share the gospel 3,000 times, you know, to find that one X guy who's got the multiplier button. But in our setting, you know, we need to, that, we need that, to take advantage of that. That number you just threw out there, you've got to share the gospel 3,000 times. It's just a figurative number. You've, but it's a lot of people you've got to share with, isn't it? If, if you are in a zero-to-one setting and there's no believers, you've got to share the gospel a lot of times. There's, uh, how else can you do it? Like you, know, if you, you, weren't, you weren't saying 3,000 to see one person come to Christ. No, You're saying 3,000 to find the, the CPM guy, the, the X guy, guy. Yeah. the X-factor guy. I'm, that's the guy I'm after who's got the X button from Luke 8 that's the hundredfold guy. Because when you, you start finding these guys, and you find seven to ten a year, you know, and so these guys I've listed, listed here are all potentially these guys. But then I'm going to train them to do the same thing. So Gary Stump is going to take on five cities around him and try and find the next Gary Stump. Is, and so that's, uh, anyhow, I'm just saying some of y'all need to be somewhere in this neighborhood of... You know, and it'd be the same, like I said, the same way if it was Muslims, you would just try and mobilize everybody you can to share the gospel as many times as possible. Muslims get zero to one. Um, let's, let's do this. I, I want, I've been sort of playing around with um, Envision, and um, I'm going to share a little story from NC State, but uh, do y'all have this, or do we have to get this to get to y'all? It says community, population, how many people do you influence? You have that? I'll read that. Okay. I know it's here somewhere. Everybody who's been receiving emails from me will have that. They just may not realize. Okay. But we have we have hard copies here for you. I think it's the special one that was sent through from Angie. If you send it through, Jeff. Yeah, there was a handful that needed printed. Yeah. 
Well, you can just, we can just give, if they're all there, we can just give everybody everything. That's fine. Ah, uh, it, it's come through the handout, so they won't have it here. Okay. We, we but have we'll, it stock. That's what we'll, I know. We'll right. send it around by email. It says community and population. Yeah. Let me, we're, um, I'm going to share a bit of testimony, but sort of leading into um, vision casting. Um, what time are we supposed to finish, by the way? 1230? 1230. Um, we're at NC State, and the NC State, Burke Wilson, uh, his church is called Desiring God Church. I'm sorry, Grace Community Church. I start getting these churches confused. Grace Community Church. Um, Burke, I, I've, he probably has 75% of his church is doing T for T, which I've never, I've never seen in America. Asia was pretty normal, but I, I've never seen 75% of the people actively involved. They knew who to share with. They knew a gospel presentation, knew discipleship, understood fairly well church formation. They are planting churches that meet in homes on the university campus, off the university campus. Uh, they're reaching out to Muslims, Hindus, wide, you know, very diverse place at NC State. Um, what we found is they were very highly confident and competent in the whole process. Um, but what we found very quickly is they had no, there was no clarity of vision. And so we began to just talk to them about vision. And, and this is just sort of how it went. And what I was doing, I was doing iron on irons in a room with some of their, some of the more sort of guys that sort of their advanced leaders and their elders. And in the other room, uh, my buddy Clint was training them who to share with, what to say, and how to make disciples. So I sort of caught there was no clarity of vision here. So when I went back in and I was supposed to do a session, I changed the session. And we started just talking about vision casting. Now, we've done vision casting before, but it was obviously clear there wasn't a clear vision. And if, and if you don't have a vision, how are you going to get to where you're supposed to go, right? Because if you don't know where you're going, you're not going to get there. So there's got to be a clarity of where we're trying to go. Because eventually, they're doing this stuff, but just going, now, why am I doing it? It's great to share the gospel, right? And it's great to make disciples, but why am I doing this? Why am I driven to do this? And they weren't clear. So you get this push and some excitement, and people come to Christ, and then you get finals and work and you know and busyness, and then you, you lose the vision. So we just felt we had to bring some clarity of vision. So we began to just talk. Where do you guys live? And so some lived at Turlington Hall. Um, now, there's about 30,000 students at NC State campus, and so Turlington Hall has 29 floors. So how many live at Turlington Hall? So we had about seven. Well, how many of you guys, in the next 10 days, could start training some Christians who are not from Grace Community Church? And so at first, you know, a few hands went up. So do you guys know any Christians from other churches? And I named some of the churches there. You know, Summit Church. Do you know First Baptist uh, um, Durham? Do you know uh, First Baptist Raleigh? Do you know um, uh, Lizard Lick Baptist Church? That's another place up there. It's, 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 a, it's a TV show, Lizard Lick Towing. Uh, and so I just began to name some of those places. Do you know some other Christians there you could train to join your team to just start teaching them who to share with, what to say, and how to make disciples? And they said, yeah. I said, well, in the next 10 days... Will you guarantee me you'll start training some of those Christians who are from other churches? And the advantage of that is they bring no benefit to you. 
training somebody from Campus Crusade who's not part of your organization or partnering with them is not going to bring any benefit to Grace Community Church. Training somebody from Fellowship of Christian Athletes, training somebody from Summit Church. But I think God honors it, so first of all. So there's a power, I think, that spiritually that we can't understand that God honors when we start loving other brothers and training one another, and it, it changes the dynamics. The next question was, in the next 10 days, can you prayer walk your halls and find one dorm room of peace and open up a Bible study? Share your, share your testimony or something. Share the gospel. There was this young girl, um, she was a freshman, 18 years old, and um, as we're talking about this, um, she says, yeah, I'll do it. And so she went out that night, and she was prayer walking her hall, and um, she was going up and down the hall, and she saw a girl walk past, and, and it's like God said, talk to her. And he's like, I don't want to do it. And she kept walking. And this girl finally chases her down, and she said, um, hey, I have a question for you. And, and the girl said, well, that's interesting. I have a question for you, too. And, um, and so she asked the girl, you know, if God could do a miracle in your life today, what is it? If so, can I pray for you? And, and the girl says, you know, I was just thinking about God this week. She said, I've never thought about God all my life. And she said, just, just this week I was thinking about it. It's interesting you bring that up. And she says, well, I have a story to tell you, but it's a really long story. Do you have a lot of time I can tell you this story? I mean, it's just like, how can I screw this thing up? You know, so she, she's just sharing just as honest and blatant as she can. And she was going to share the about 15, 20, 15 minute version of creation of Christ. And the girl says, yes, absolutely. And she said, well, we better sit down. It's really long. And so they get out and sit in her dorm room, and she shares creation to Christ. And she says, I have never heard that story before. And would you, um, could, and she invites herself back to continue sharing. Now, the girl's not ready to follow Christ, so they're going to open up. They started a discovery Bible study in her room. This girl also led a NC State football player to Christ in the last couple weeks. And led, you know, these big six foot seven tackles, weighs 300 pounds, and she's a little tiny 90 pound cute little girl, but she leads this guy to Christ, and then this guy starts a Bible study in, in her room. So we just began to ask everybody, you're on this floor of Turlington, can you start one T for T group and one gospeling group, whether it's Discovery Bible Study or whether you're gospeling, whatever it is, you're going to start one. And they said, yes. So we got commitments from all seven. Now, they ended up living on about three of the floors. They were somewhat together. And so next ten days, this is what we'll do. Then we began to ask them, now between now and May, can you try and find a Christian on every single floor of the dorm? And they said, yeah, we'll give it a shot. So between now and May, so you got six months, can you start a T for T group on every single floor? And they said, yeah, we'll give that a go. Now also, can you try and start a gospeling group on every single floor? And between now and May. And they said, yeah. Well, the, the next hall we had was, um, uh, I think it was, uh, what's it, Haw, Haw Hall, H-A-W, Haw. And so, Haw River. But anyhow, Haw Hall, um, <laughs> that sounds a little odd, doesn't it? But anyhow, Haw Hall. Um, <laughs> It's like, uh, yeah, so in the ha-ha, they have a couple of, there's only three floors, and we had a handful of folks there. Same thing. Who can start a T for T group? Can you do that in the next 10 days? 
And again, they're highly confident, highly confident they can definitely do this. There's no doubt in my mind. And they're like, yeah, we can do it. Can you find some other Christians outside of your church to train? Yes, we can. Can you guys try and get a discovery Bible study going on in the next 10 days or a gospeling group? They said, absolutely. Next six months, can you make sure all three floors have one T for T group, one gospeling group on each floor? And they said, yeah, we can do that. Now, how many dorm halls are there on all of NC State campus? They said 29. And so we got two of them taken care of. Can you guys start finding Christians who are already in those dorm halls and begin training them? And then what's the other thing they're going to do? They're going to start a gospeling group on every single floor. Well, all of a sudden, you could see it in their eyes. They saw it. You know, they, they saw the vision. It became clear where they were trying to go. So they've been doing this, but it wasn't completely clear why they were doing what they were doing. They were doing it. God was using them. They were having fun. But now, all of a sudden, there became a why. So what's Burke need to do between January and May with these folks at NC State? Encourage them. Check, check in on them and, and see what um, what problems they've got and what successes they're having. You know. Problems, successes. Keep telling them the vision over and over again. Keep telling the vision over and over again and measuring the vision, encouraging them to complete the vision. And so he's got to keep the vision in front of them, right? But at the same time of keeping a vision in front of them, what do you you want to know what? That you're succeeding, right? It's it's great if I have a vision. My vision's fifty five fifty. But if I don't know if I'm succeeding in the vision, I'm, you know, I'm not going to be content personally. I want to make sure um, I'm eradicating this list. I don't want to pass this job on to my children. I want to make sure every UUPG in.